Hello! Welcome to Waiting for Game, a podcast presented by Melee Stats. I'm your host, Gimme Not Wheat. Yeah, I think fans might realize this is third in a row. We're, we're kind of going back to the weekly time. You might realize, uh, are we going back to weekly? The answer is no, but uh, we wanted to show us about some of the biggest tournaments of the year, and we are going to be talking about some of the biggest tournaments of the year coming up. We just had, um, obviously, Battle of BC, and then we're going to talk about Combo Breaker, which we talked about last week, and... Look forward to tipped off. Yeah, the the summer of Smash is uh, basically upon us at this point. Edwin, you were you were talking about Combo Breaker, your your experience watching Combo Breaker. What do you think? Clue me in on uh, on how it was. Yeah, so I I loved watching it. I thought the vibes were great. I just think it's always cool when uh, Smash gets together with other communities. I think for a while Smash has been used to having the sole or primary spot at the events it occupies. So the dynamic is just very different. But that that's not a bad thing. I think I, we could stand to collaborate with other communities. It was it was fun watching. I think uh, the vibe at these kinds of events are very different. It's been a while for me, so I I can't attest to what the vibe is like at this specific combo breaker. But it's always kind of fun to hear. About other people's games, hear about their players, then explain the situation of melee and you know ultimate or both Smash games to someone else who's kind of new to the scene. So uh, honestly, above all else, I had a great time watching the event, but I, I wish I was there. It made me want to go there. So if Combo Breaker returns next year and it's big for melee, um, I mean, frankly, even if it's not the same size as this one, uh, I'd strongly consider going. I I, I definitely uh, <laughs> I I feel like I missed out on something by not being there, mm. and not a lot of events can give me that feeling. How many hours would you wait in the popcorn baron line? It depends on how hungry I was, but I I'll go out and <clears throat> estimate that uh, I think I could wait an hour. Oh my god, you're not getting anywhere if you wait an hour. Dude, it was that pop- long. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll all go. We'll figure it out, and we'll get um, we'll get the insane flavors that they have. But uh, it's uh, yeah, no, it's like a it's like over an hour wait. They say maybe it's an hour if you get there right away. If you like get there the crack of dawn, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's an event that like I haven't. You know, I've been a casual FGC watcher for a little bit. It's always so fun to watch it, and uh, I think like what Combo Breaker brings to the FGC just like screams quality and, and care and stuff like that. And I don't think there's any reason why melee should not be involved in it. Oh, yeah. It looked, it looked amazing. Obviously, you know, like Josh man, Magi, that's always fun. Stuff like that. We had a cool cast of characters. Um, but, uh, more than anything, more than any individual, like game or any individual set was just like the, everything surrounding it that just says, man, I, I really want, melee to be here I, I really want to be here um cheer for leffen so he can get third in another super major and strive cheer for kikaho maybe it's another smasher got top eight in another game i think he got fifth in melty blood yeah no um it, it seems like an incredible event and, and like we talked about last episode there's a, a lot of fun to be had at tournaments where melee is not the main game and, and even if it feels weird to say that events like dreamhack and events like you know fgc majors like combo breaker really do provide a sense of scale for like what we have and uh just an appreciation for everything going on wills uh what, what did you get to catch any combo breaker i don't know if you have any thoughts on it um i caught a good couple matches i saw i saw a lot of matches i just didn't want to see i saw a prof grab mm. saw a grab okay i want to see grab weapons but i hate to see weapons lose i turned it off after ben beat polish if i'm being honest 
I I checked the bracket, but there's I there's a Ganon that got far. It's like yeah, there were some cursed yeah, elements it, of it. it. It just it just wasn't going my way. I don't think. Which I think stands to to talk about like how good the event was that. Like, I talk so highly, Edwin and I are talking so highly of an event that had a Ganon in place, like, fourth or whatever it was, right? It's like... Yeah, fourth. Like, not a lot of events do Ganon's place fourth, and then people are like, so great, I want to go. <laughs> You're like, I'll go, but that bracket, okay. I don't know. Oh, I guess. Yeah, despite, no. despite the bracket, I will think about attending. Yeah, so you said uh, Ben. Ben had quite a run. What do you think about Ben's run, Wills? I thought that... After Ben beat Polish, like, I was very impressed that Ben did that, but I thought it was, like, only up from there. Mm. Like, I didn't think I didn't think Ben would struggle to beat Prof very much. Honestly, I think the mech set was a toss-up versus that Ganon. I just hadn't seen, any, hadn't seen Ben play him. I feel like anything could have happened, so I'm happy Ben didn't lose that. And then the Joshman set was crazy. I went back and watched the VOD for that one. Yeah, Ben feels like a player who, um, if you look at the previous top 100, you know, he's ranked, I think, like, 50, 59th or something like that. He's outside the top 50. Um, and I think if you're just someone who follows, like, the big headlines, that might seem like a shock because he came off of, like, one of the best online performances for any unranked person. You know, he was, like, just defeating HBox over and over again. And then uh, when it went back to LAN, he took a set off of Wizzy, ended up in that top 30 of the PGR thing. Like, he was really showing a lot of promise, uh, which kind of got brought back down when we had a full year. Um, also, it didn't help that the season for last year didn't include his win on Ginger. <laughs> I think he had a Ginger and Crudo win that just, like, weren't included. It was, like, a week too early. But, um, yeah, I mean, he had a kind of a, a couple losses uh, to players who were outside the top 100 or lower on the top 100 and he continues that this year by having some some regional losses you know you like lost to like shabo and a lowercase hero recently and it's these type of things where people start to look at ben as one of those players who might be um kind of hard stuck when it comes to, to like a ceiling when you might go oh well you know ben's not gonna beat x and y and he might have trouble with people below him but he's he's always gonna have a decent show and i think stuff like this is really important for a player like that to show you know this is the guy who beat wizard he it's not really a fluke um so i i love to see people kind of show that off because i mean for a little bit it was it was looking like ben would you know be uh you know every every single set that had like a good regional fox in his way it seemed like that might be like a really hard fought battle so to see his sets, especially like versus Smash Poppy and stuff like that, was really sick. Uh, what do you think, Edwin? Yeah, I think Ben's pretty interesting, right? He's one of those guys that you mentioned he broke out during the pandemic. But, you know, to, to give that a little more meat, Ben didn't just break out. He was beating Hungrybox every single yeah, Friday. He, he had an people alien. talking about this is the per Yeah, he was an alien. People were calling him the future of Sheik. And all this stuff. He had people talking about he could tech chase. He, he was great against floaties. He was he was destined for greatness. And in a sense, you know, he he capitalized on that a little bit 
but it just came out of time that I think was was a little inconvenient for being in the public sphere. So you mentioned before that he he did great at Smash World Tour uh, that one time, beating Magi and Wizard. You know, those are those are really big land results that that would stand out in a normal year, right? And unfortunately, things like like you mentioned, beating Crudo, winning that tournament over Ginger. He had he actually had like a, a reign over the Midwest in which he was just winning every Midwest tournament for a while. He 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 really looked like a top twenty five player. So I think I think the stretch he had at the end of twenty twenty two, you know, I, I think his final spot on the list indicated that. But I almost wonder in, in hindsight if, if a performance like Combo Breaker is almost like it's almost as if Ben, the, this Ben that we knew during the pandemic, you know, was there all along, and he, and he's he's starting to kind of come into his own again, or or if it's or or if you know that's a blip in the radar, and what, the kind of performances that we saw from Ben before were were a little more indicative of him perhaps, you know, coming back down to earth for a little bit. But either way, I, I was really excited by his performance at this tournament. One thing I want to mention in the Polish set, just from a gameplay standpoint, that really stood out. I thought it was some of the best like gameplay i've seen ben play like mm. all you know in the last two years like the way that you know like polish is not an easy player to i, I mean I'm, I'm saying this because because you know in spite of polish getting upset twice i do think a win on polish says a lot about you as a player for, for the most part i think they are not an easy player to upset in bracket i think if if you can beat someone like polish that that genuinely can can take you a long way or it can be the sign of, of the fact that taking that caliber of win may be more consistent and repeatable than, you know, maybe if if someone, say, defeated a more volatile player. I think it. I think it's a very no, good sign for, sure. for Ben. I think Ben fans... Definitely should, an upwards trend after, yeah. like, recently getting those losses to lowercase hero and Shabo. Like, had a, had a chem win, I think, at Collision, but nothing in, like, that top 25 range recently. Nothing, yeah, I think that Ben still had it. Yeah, it, it definitely felt like he was kind of coalescing into like a under top fifty level player, and seems like this, you know, like you said, yeah, his his entire projection just is changed incredibly. Now, speaking of that, let's talk about the player on the other side of that set that we keep mentioning. We got Polish, Polish, a player who comes into this uh, ranked twenty third last year. That was obviously down from their top ten performance in the like pretty truncated twenty twenty one season, um, and. It's weird. I, I looked into Polish's set history this past year because I thought they were doing pretty well, and there's actually just not really a ton of top-level wins to speak about. Um, it's just, like, generally placing to seed or, you know, events like this, placing below seed. So I, I guess, you know, let's let's talk to Wills. Wills, you're a uh, Peach player. I don't know if that means you are a doomer about Peach or if you are think that Peach is the best character. It feels like sometimes it's... There's no in-between with Peach players. But I want to hear your thoughts on, on how Polish has performed this year and what you expect from them going forward. Because an event like this, losing to Ben and losing to Mac, feels extremely Polish, if that makes any sense. So uh, I think that it might kind of like dilute from what this actually means. But yeah, what do you what do you think about an event like this for Polish? Um, I think it's not too crazy. Like Historically, we've seen Polish like lose or falter in some of the mid-tier matchups. Like when we saw like Polish get like kind of owned by Franz mm. in their set. And it's like, I have a lot of Polish stock as like, as a player over time. But I do think like, it's very easy for some players to catch Polish off on the one time. Like maybe if Polish played mech like two or three times, they'd get it. 
but I feel like they're very susceptible to just catching those like one-off losses. And they haven't really gotten the big wins this year that I'd expect from them to like average that out. Yeah. I mean, it felt like that last year and then there was like main stage and fiction wins and good performances to kind of even out everything. But yeah, <clears throat> it, it definitely feels like with Polish, there's always like dips and, you know, ebbs and flows and it's hard to tell what we're currently in until you're in it and you're watching them lose to Mech and you're like, oh, well, I guess this is a bit of a dip. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see them and they are someone who I think the, the takeaway from an event like this is if you hear what they say about Melee is that it is so utterly positive and losing to Mech was such a personal victory for them because they went in with um, a game plan and they followed their game plan and they did not get flustered mentally and even though that resulted in a set loss they thought that that was like a huge moment for it I know that like they talked about only playing Fox and friendlies forever and like really finding Fox like the most fun character and then having a breakthrough recently where Peach was just felt correct um, so yeah I mean going forward we'll see uh, we don't have uh, a ton of tournaments coming up after this but um, it'll be interesting to see well, I mean, until Gommel. But it'll be interesting to see uh, how they progress because, um, as we know, the release today is that uh, Gommel's going to be the last uh, tournament for the top... Uh, for the for the summer... For, wait, for the SSBM rank summer 2023. Um, so we can we can get into that because I know that uh, Ambi tried to push us into conversation about that last week, but we weren't 100% ready to announce everything. But yeah, for those who didn't see, uh, I was able to announce today that... The last date for the upcoming uh, SSBM Rank Summer 23 is going to be Gommel. It's going to end with Gommel, so we have about another um, about another eight weeks or so, probably. I don't really actually know what the <laughs> seven, eight weeks, something like that. Uh, so we got a lot of time. Edwin, you know, we, we were talking on the podcast last week about Jane Luke versus Cody. It's nowhere. It's so up in the air. Nothing is decided. We talked about who's the number one player. We had our answer. Now that we're able to, you know, fully announce the the time period, it's nowhere near over. We've got tipped off coming up. We've got Gommel, possibly other stuff in between. Um, what? Yeah. What do you? What do you expect to see from this year's top? Um, from this year's <laughs> summer rank. What are uh, some big changes that you think are going to be made? What are some uh, like? you know, any players that you expect to really jump up. Yeah, so, I mean, I want to start with one of the biggest risers of this year so far. Um, I think Moki's spot in, in current status within the top echelon has drastically shifted. And I'm not just talking about the number of spots that he'll be up on in the summer rank. I'm talking about how he is perceived as a player that is capable of winning majors. You know, last year we talked about it being the most open field of potential major contenders ever. And I think this year, with some of those players that we had in that group of contenders, I'm not quite as convinced that they have any more of a claim to be in that group than than Moki does. Now, Moki is no stranger to having lows before. Uh, you know, Battle of BC was the first time he missed a top eight in a very long time. But we've also seen that even with a lot of his lows, they come with him taking taking sets over other players that are still very strong. So, for instance, he broke a pretty long losing streak that he had to Kadoran 
offline at this event, which I thought was a really, which I thought was a really big step forward. And obviously, earlier in his year, we, we talk about head-to-heads being important for a summer rank, but so do accomplishments and tournament victories. And I think a tournament victory over AMSA, an event like the Come Up, is something that's going to stand out a lot in the in the mind of voters. And I can certainly tell you, as, as someone someone who will be a panelist this year, hopefully, if we yeah, you accept did, me you did as a panelist. Yeah, you did the application I saw. Yeah, but but you know, once I submit it, if I am accepted, that is something that would factor heavily in in my ballot. That kind of accomplishment. So the fr- the first thing I want to bring up is definitely Moki because I think he st- has a lot to gain from uh, you know this season of melee we've seen. So I had someone far. who DM'd me recently uh, asked if I still did the wheat sheet, which um, the answer is kind of. Uh, last year I was just not able to keep up with it to a level that I felt comfortable with. Uh, and I think that some stuff was wrong, and I would rather not have stuff that is out there that is incorrect. I think that's literally worse than having something out there not out there at all. Uh, but this person was just like, yeah, I haven't like paid attention to Melee in like six months. I wanted to like catch up, and I was like, oh, okay. And I basically like sent them some spark notes, uh, and they were like, wow, I had no idea that Moki was this good. And it's really weird to me, because they said they stopped watching you know, late 2022, and it really is that recent like basically by the time the like clock hit midnight on uh december 31st we went into 2023 all you know we're all singing and drinking champagne and kissing each other uh something awoke in moki and he literally overnight became a top 10 player and right now if you were to make a ballot obviously we've got tipped off we've got gone we've got maybe other stuff that he could perform at um there's chances for this change, but he's literally in the mix with your H boxes and plups and other people like that who are like vying for a top five spot. You know, it's possible that uh, some of these people who have not won majors might win majors and kind of leapfrog him. But like you said, same thing could happen with him. He's a player that we talked about since last year is a player that there's no reason why you should say that he can't win a major. And in that time, he has proven it time and time again. Uh, Wills, you are also something you've had a ballot for a few years now. Uh, is there anyone who's kind of piqued your interest in terms of players who have really had a big come up since the last ranking period? I think Moki's the elephant in the room, but also we have to talk about like Salt mm-hmm. winning like Low Tide City with the double elimination on Lod, taking out Axe. Kind of a little, a little bit solved by Spark, but like those upwards trending results are, I feel like, what, what we're looking for, like for a Falcon to replace that empty spot. Because like right now, not none's not like extremely hot. We don't have Wizzy. We don't really have Gatsu. It's like, but Salt's, Salt's making a name for herself right now. And I really think she'll go up in rank from, like, where she was. I think she was 30s? Yeah, 30s, she was uh, 31st, I believe, yeah. uh, just outside. But, yeah, no, she, I think, if you're talking about, like, people who went into the top echelon, Moki is the example. If you're talking about people who went into, like, that top 15 or so, uh, I think Salt is, is, like, the poster child for that because... The what she has done has instantly catapulted her into this tier that, like, honestly, this is the thing to watch out for. When when we have tournaments coming up uh, for the next month and a half, is I'm going to watch and see what happens to this tier because, listen, like, let me list off some players who I think are good enough to be maybe sneak into top 10 uh, and just have to, like, have a tournament or so to prove it because you've got Aklo, who obviously won Redemption Rumble. You've got Salt, who we were just talking about with her uh, LTC, her low tide win because you can't call something LTC <laughs> um, because there's like 10 of them um, 
Fiction, obviously someone who's always done well. You've got Kudorin. Second place at Redemption Rumble, top eighting multiple things. You've got stuff like that. Um, Triff. Like, Triff, someone just placed top eight at Battle BC, uh, ninth at Collision. I believe is going to Trail Invitational, might be at other events as well. And, and then, like, Lod. <laughs> like, there's there's all of these players who I think are not definitively top ten, but that crew will sneak their way in. Not even sneak their way in. That crew will make their way into the top ten. Um, and it's just, like, that whole tier right there is so interesting to me because I think any of them could beat each other and throw in, like, Johnny, right? You know, you just got fifth at, at Battle BC. Throw in, I don't know. Like, there's, <laughs> there's so many people you could throw in there. Throw an axe. Dude, Ginger could be Ginger? due for a big breakout. Uh, Dude, Ginger uh, could uh, randomly uh, go Cody. Off. I don't like. There's don't all this weird stuff. stuff here. There's, it's so, it's so crazy. I don't know. We, Zuppy got top four. Oh my four god! At Major. Right? Zuppy, <laughs> Zuppy beat Amsa. Zuppy did beat Amsa. That was crazy. Oh my god! I forgot about that. You know what's funny? And I've talked about this before. And like, I don't know how many conversations that will lead to this. Uh, that we're gonna have. I guess it's like more often than we think. But this is literally the best time to watch Melee. And it's really funny because Melee is like so much more dead than it was in 2016. And that was by far not the best time to watch Melee. Like as someone who loved to watch Melee for years and years and years. Uh, I mean like when it was Evo weekend, I'd fucking call out of work. I'd pretend like <laughs> I'm sick. I can't come in, boss. And I, I would watch uh, Evo. I, I loved, you know, just like spectating in person. I loved uh, uh, like stream monstering. Um I think, like, would anybody here disagree if I said that not only the top level, but everyone below that is just way more fun than it was five, six, seven years ago? Like, am I wrong here? <laughs> yeah, what's up? No, it's about, it's about that Wait, I want to mention... Sorry. I want to mention an irony behind this. Wills, you talked about elephants in the room. I want to talk about the biggest one of all. The one that none of us have talked about. We've talked about rising players this whole time. That makes sense. I want to talk about a player who I don't want to describe as falling, but a player who may not even be considered present for this period of time. I want to talk about the fact that Melee is so exciting, has all these personalities, all these narratives and things that are going on, in spite of the absence of one of its greatest players ever, if not the greatest player ever. Joseph Golden Glove Marquez? I'm talking about Joseph Golden Glove Apparently, Marth Marquez now, <laughs> who, depending on his mood and the time of day, is someone that is both simultaneously horrifying if he gets a bra- bracket full of foxes, but also weirdly disarming if he gets mm. one of his friends <laughs> or just decides to play Marth. It is a Dr. testament Mario to how great Melee is that one of the best eras to watch Melee, which we've established right now, uh, really didn't include... The best player of all time, the most fun player of all time, the most well-loved player of all time, you know, whatever accolades you want to throw onto him. Uh, I think it's, like, hard to be too overzealous in talking about stuff like him because it's just all kind of true. Um, and, yeah, he's largely absent from it because I, I wouldn't count his, like, if you're talking about why Melee is great, it's not because he went Dr. Mario versus Taj's Mewtwo. Like, that's not a reason why Melee is great right now. And, like, his no. Aklo set where he actually played a character that he mains um, – which is, like, not, you know, it's not make or break for why Melee's great. So I, the only thing is, is I do wonder, you know, these big names, you know, your H-Boxes, your, your Mangos, obviously Mewtwo King is 
we're just kind of at that point where we don't even expect him at tournaments anymore. He had that little thing last year with Smash World Tour and Panda Cup, which obviously <laughs> you know ended up as it did. Um, but like, I don't think there's any reason you should, you should expect him to come back. And uh, and you know, same goes for Armada. And obviously, PP is is dealing with his um, own personal struggles as well. Um, but yeah, it's just like. I think a lot of the people who got into Melee when it was really big will have attachments to these big names, and it might be hard to buy into these people they don't know. These people whose personalities are not as big, right? When you watch, uh, like, Cody winning, it doesn't seem to be as big and, and like, anime-esque as Mango winning or something like that. But I really think that if people buy in and they care about the gameplay that's happening, the gameplay is better than it's ever been. People are evolving at such a fast rate, and just, like, the top level is so fucking fun. Like, it's it's amazing to watch. Now, that being said, let's uh, let's focus on that elephant that we were talking about. Because despite how fun it is, there is this nagging thought in the back of everyone's head. There's Mango. Mango's some player who's uh, signed up for Tipped Off. And if he goes to Genesis, Battle BC, Tipped Off, you know, I believe that he has signed up for something else. I'm not sure about that. Um, that probably would be enough to rank him. So, as people who have ballots here, presumably, had ballots in the past. Presumably. I, I don't know if Edwin's getting one. Um, where would we put him? So, so Wills, I want to ask you this. What What are your thoughts on where Mango would go? He, This is like, you know, he's he's beaten Aklo. He's um, has 97th at one major and 9th at another. He might do similarly. I guess the question before we can even ask where would you put him is, would he even make the ballot for you? Um... Only a win on Aklo, losses to Mateo, mm-hmm. losses to Taj. Um, honestly, do we think Mango SJ was collusion? Like, that was pretty cringe. Playing secondaries versus your boy, it's like, mm-hmm. can we even count that as a full win? It's like, I don't know how many, how many of these sets can I really give him any credit for? I, I don't think he can make the ballot like this. And if he makes it, he won't be in a spot that he will be silent about. He will be like forty fifth or something and be upset. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I I've got an idea as to what I want to happen, and of course it's hard to talk about this type of stuff because this is something that now we do run. So I don't want to make any promises as to what's going to happen. But Edwin, I want your thoughts on it before I kind of give my final say on the topic of of Mango on the summer rank this year. Yeah, what do you what do you think about him? Mm. This is purely off the gut. No thought. Literally just my heart speaking. I think sandbagging at one major is not great, but it's fine. It happens. I think if you go if I think if you sandbag at multiple majors and you don't enter that many majors in the first place, I think except for like maybe one time, that starts to be reflected in the assessment of mm-hmm. your actual year. So for instance, if 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 Marth Marquez or whomever he wants to go continues to be a routine presence at majors, the expectation for him heading into those majors is that there's a cha- there's a high chance that he'll play one of those characters instead of his mains, right? And so I think for me right now, because he's sandbagged fully at one major or basically at the at the relevant part of bracket, and because he he gave away a set in losers going Marth. I'm inclined to see the first one on its own as an outlier, but the second one I think would factor into how I weigh weigh his results. 
So as of right now, I'm basically treating it like he has one tournament's uh, worth of results to evaluate. So a win versus Aklo, a loss to JMook, and a loss to Eshajade is basically how I see it right now. So he would not make my ballot right now for activity. I think that when you talk about players like him, it's it's going to be really hard because uh, he is someone who very clearly is not playing to be ranked. Um, he might be playing to not be ranked, right? Uh, like... The, I know that sometimes people of that echelon want to play and might want to slip just under the radar of like what the ranking um, requirements are. Um, so a player like that, yeah, I, I think that I can't look at what he's done this year and say like this is as much as like, you know, Skurzo's done, right? Like it's 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 very much different, uh, even if he yeah, has gone not... to like the requisite number of majors. But uh, yeah, I mean, if he ends up making, if he ends up like doing this at, Gommel, he does it at, like, another thing. He maybe does it Wave Dash if he does this whole thing. Um, he might not even have the results. Maybe he does have the results to be top or lower level. I don't think I would see what he's done and feel comfortable giving him a rank. I think that that is, like, a... You know, that's where the abstains come in, right? You know, you can stay from someone the way that we do it. And, and he just seems to me like a player who I don't think I would feel comfortable giving a rank to. Um, that being said, one of the things that we have to think about is... Is you know, it, it's interesting to to weigh something like this with a full year. Last year, he came into the year, I believe he got what ninth at at uh, Genesis. He lost to Fizzwiggle, Fizzwiggle lost to Hbox, um, lost to. Did he get ninth at Pound as well? He lost to Fiction there. I think, I think he lost a lot, um, which is having like an uncharacteristic year, and then ended up having one of the best years of his career. Uh, ended up getting third alt or uh, third of the year, and. Uh, I do wonder if we see this again, as Mangos like want to do, right? I'm not about to say that he's not about to win another major ever. Uh, I do have no, to wonder if, like... Not. We literally yeah, saw right? it. Like, how many times have we seen this? Uh, so, like, I do have to wonder, how much do we think about stuff like this? You know, going random characters or going, you know, kind of joke characters or going characters who are not your mains. Um, maybe it's like, yeah, you're right. It's one of those things where if it happens once, maybe you can not think about it. It happens twice, that's a little more... Uh, but at this point, we're seeing it literally affect seeding. Like, we are seeing Mango seed at stuff change because he is getting ninth at tournaments where he goes Marth in losers. Uh, and at that point, it does raise the question of, like, well, you know, if if a bad tournament or a, a tournament that he kind of throws off affects a tournament that he thinks... You know, that he that he tries hard at, what does that mean about the tryhard tournament, right? If he gets seated like 13th in an event because he goes Dr. Mario two tournaments beforehand, it will affect how I view a tournament where he goes Fox and Falco. I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing to look at. Luckily for the summer, I do think that it probably um, would not be an issue. I just think that what he's putting in does not even seem to be on the level of what other people do. Uh, even if he might hit, like, a number of, of tournaments that might be required. So we will see. I, I think that he um, is an interesting person to look out for. Uh, might be annoying. <laughs> and not even, like, him publicly. Just, like, this, like, little... You know, the idea of a person who, like, could be the best in the world, could win majors, who is not going to his main character, is, like, something that luckily we haven't really had to deal with, and now it's might be on our plates, but we'll see. I, I for one, am, am incredibly excited about the year that's coming up. I think that the summer rank is going to be, uh, it's going to, you know, it could be a, a first for many things, right? J-Mook could be number one. Cody could be number one. I think we're going to 
probably likely see a new number one, or we're going to see, if we don't see a new number one, we're going to see a tremendous run in these in this next month and a half. So whatever happens, I think we're in for a treat. But, uh, of course, the season ends at Gommel. It, uh, it ramps up as we look into Tipped Off. So Tipped Off comes, off, uh, comes up earlier, or <laughs> comes up in early June, comes up this weekend. Uh, Wills. Hello. You are you um you're Atlanta born and bred? Were you born and bred in Atlanta? No, I was born in Kansas. Were you bred in Atlanta? What is? Um, I feel like I feel like I feel like I feel like you're not a human until you're 18. So I'd say I was kind of bred in Atlanta. Okay, sick. Um, let's yeah, let's talk a little bit about how we got to the point where Tipped Off is a major that has almost every top 10 member, almost every top five member. Let's talk about that because, you know, this was the main thing in the Southeast for a while and then kind of fell out of favor before the pandemic. And we are back at a point where uh, it might be one of the most powerful things. So, so uh, do you have any insight on, on how it might have gotten to this way? Um, I think it was cut off earlier, but like I said, a lot of hard work from Chandler as far as, like, reaching out to top players, like a lot of funding for the players um, he made a lot of connections at Bemi as well. Like, he tried to get Billy here. I think Billy couldn't make it, but, like, yeah. Salt is here. Kalindi's coming. Like, just made sure to, like, tap some shoulders, make sure everyone would come back. And he's put a lot of work into the event as far as, like, the housing for the players. Like, brought Joshman to our locals. Like, I don't know. I guess his outreach was just, like, excellent this year. And I feel like that might have been, like, a failure of tipped off 12. Like, remember how that one went? And then tipped off 13, I think, was a bit of a buildup. And tipped off 14, I feel like Chandler's like putting all of his resources into this event and trying to make it like as best as he can. It's always good to see regions get their big local or get their big major. Uh, I feel like there's so many regions out there that we don't generally just don't get to see until you get to a major. Like I mean, Battle of BC is a perfect example of a region that is so fucking good and so under the radar. That you don't even realize what's happening until you watch their major and Elliot Threos in again and Polo beats Fiction and you know <laughs> all that stuff happens. So I, I do think it's amazing to see the Southeast get a major. So that being said, um, you know a, a Southeast player or otherwise, is there anyone who you look out for and expect them to have a kind of a big breakout here? Because the level of talent, not only do they have a lot of top 100 players, I think it's like pretty deep in terms of non-top 100. They've got a lot of interesting names here, a lot of names that we don't get to see pretty often. Um, so, Edwin, do you have anyone who really, uh, like, stands out as someone to look out for in terms of, uh, like, upset potential? Yes. I think uh, this this fellow I'm about to mention is an evergreen upset potential player. I'm, of course, talking about one of the greatest players of all time. I'm not joking when I say this, by the way. Cobol, every tournament that guy goes to, I think, is really exciting. And the fact that he has just farmed all of Georgia, at least for like oh. 99% of the time or whatever, <laughs> is it's just, it's really remarkable because the, the region is quite good. <laughs> it has a lot of really good players. It's not something that... It's not something that I think is a is a light accomplishment. The the way that Cobalt is farming this region full of players that are either just outside top hundred or on the level of being top hundred, like someone like Panko or someone who who in the right day could maybe have a bracket run like that, like Cop, I think is something that we should not. It's 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 no small feat. 
I think Cobol is quite good. I think at the major events that he attends and that he's shown us in the last year, he is quite a bit better than his rank. Although I think his rank reflects what his annual resume would show. So I'm excited to see that guy take on uh, strong players out of region. I'm excited to see him actually, you know, challenged for one. And again, I'm not saying that to belittle other players in Georgia or this region. I'm saying that I think we will truly see the best of Cobol brought out of him by some of the best players in the world that he doesn't always get to play against, which is a crazy thing to say about someone that literally has an all-time legacy in the game. You could, if, if, if Melee in the 2010s had an all-decade team, Cobol would be Cobol would be somewhere on it. That which, which is all I'm saying. And I just I would love to see that guy take on some current generation. See, dude, this is what guys. I get. I'm, a, I'm such this a big. This is what I get for fan. letting you go because I I thought about this beforehand. I looked at the brackets. I looked at the people going, and I thought, you know, who am I going to say when we talk about players to look out for? And I'm like, I'm going to say Cobol, but I have to, you know, preempt everyone else because I know. Someone from Georgia we have, and we've got, like, one of Kobol's biggest fans. I think you uh, famously ranked Kobol about 20 spots higher than what he ended up being ranked in 2019. Um, yeah, I had him, like, 28. I was so convinced. Yeah, he did not appear there. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you were, you were uh, definitely a huge Kobol believer, and you have been for a while, and for good reason, because he is a player who can make people look absolutely silly whenever he shows up to stuff. He's not been at a lot. You know, he's... Uh, he formerly Florida moved to Georgia, and then ever since that move, kind of combined with the pandemic, we just really haven't seen a lot of him. He ended up, um, he was doing some online stuff, and he did go to the Smash World Tour. Um, both, I think he went to both the regional qualifier for East Coast and the uh, finals. He ended up picking up some pretty decent wins at both of those. Really impressive. And yeah, it's just this thing where, like, I think there's only so long that the top players can go before they are challenged by Cobol. You know, you, it's like a lion. Like, there's only so much that you can pester it before he's end up going to, you know, roar at you, bite your head off. And it feels like Cobalt does that to top players. So we will see. I, I think that he is a player who's so scary to get in any bracket and so impossible to predict. Um, so whoever is seated in Cobalt's path, you might have got the worst draw of all time because that might be very hard for you. Oh, now, Will, right about, now you're, talk, you're talking about Polish, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the player it, who we yeah. talked about earlier. It had Wills, to be what do you think? Because you're, I mean, you're obviously um, Georgia. He's been in that area for a while. How, what do you, as someone who probably has watched him win like every single local that he's gone to, what do you think about uh, about Cobol's uh, chances here? Cobol Cobol cooks Polish, <laughs> like immediately. I'll, I'll put money on it. I think it's going to be a bit rough. I think if he beats Polish, he runs straight into Cody Schwab. And then Kadoran. I think those are a lot harder for him. But you've seen you've seen Cobol last year. You've seen that he can beat M2K. Like I think this is the run for him. Still, I'm just I'm just still such a Colin fan. But when you're in Georgia, it's kind of like liking the Yankees. Like of course I'm a Colin fan. Really, in, like in the world, you're a Colin fan mostly. Yeah. No, he is he is such an amazing player. Um, that I thought I'd be really cheeky and pick him. Uh, but apparently everyone else here has the same exact thoughts. So. No, no, the, the real answer is S-Deems. Yeah, I, I think he's a player who a lot of people don't know about. It's one of those, you know, one of those uh, examples of a player who's, like, perfectly suited for uh, a major like this to really show the region. Tell me about S-Deems. S-Deems, like, takes a lot of sets off Panko, takes some sets off Cop, 
perennial like top four in the region for the most part. Like mm-hmm. as team Sheik player, um, I think last like interaction with an out of state player, he played Paladin and lost like last week, and then I think he two owed Prof at DreamHack Atlanta last year. Yeah, which you know, hot player right there, Prof. And I think uh, at CEO, the COVID one, I think he played Komodo and two owed him, like the very the very last one before the pandemic. But yeah, I think he has, he has Swooper in his bracket, and I think that's just like perfect for him. Like he grew up playing a Samus, like they're like Silver on the PR. Like he plays Silver so frequently. I feel like he's got this one. And then after that, he's got like S Fop and Kuya. Like I feel like he has a very real path to top thirty two here. And can put yeah. him on the spotlight. No, he he is a great player. I also um, I gotta I, I, first off, I want to do shout out a player that you just mentioned right there, Paladin. Paladin is. Always in my mind as a player who I think is prime for a breakout paladin, someone who um, is just like, I don't know, always surprises me about how good paladin is. If you watch, like, you know, 2022 net play, which is this thing that, like, it's not definitely not as big as 2021 or 2020, but there's a, a real chance for people to show their stuff there. Paladin, done extremely well, has had a ton of banger sets with Bobby Big Balls, where he tends to win a pretty good deal of them. Uh, and I'm just really waiting to see the results happen in terms of in person because he has done well in person, but it's kind of performing to the seed. It's not really punchy above his weight, which I think is really within his wheelhouse. I don't think there's any reason for me to say that Paladin can't perform a couple upsets here. Uh, that being said, I've got a chic player on my mind. Uh, I've got another chic player about how, you know, people are talking about it's not S deems. And, uh, before I reveal the chic player, I also want to point out another one who we are going to see fucking Zanya here. Zanya, a player who I think would be a lot of people's pick for this on, on their radar, a player who I think is, um, uh, I call them like next year players. Edwin and I, we, when we refer to players like this, I think that Zanya is really good. I think that Zanya is might might be just a bit, uh, 2023 might just be a bit before their their development as like in terms of a top 100 level player. Uh, regardless, I'm still so excited to see what they're doing. But the player that I'm talking about is a chic player. His brother probably going to do really well here. Talking about Foxy Grandpa. I think a player who I mentioned for Collision. Uh, I really think highly of Foxy Grandpa. Foxy Grandpa as a player uh, when he started playing in New York was just an amazing player. Never went to anything. And this is the first year that we're actually seeing him really compete at stuff. Even if it's not to a lot of fanfare he's not really uh like he i don't even know if he goes to these as a competitor first because he went to a ton of events uh as aklo got better as like aklo's coach so i don't really know if he is taking this as seriously as you know a couple other competitors here are but he is a player who i think is so utterly gifted that i would not be surprised to see him do well he's got a bit of a tough bracket here he would play komodo and the winner of that would play cody he um, most likely has KGH in his loser's path. Things that kind of seem like, you know, death knells for, uh, for a Sheik player. But I legitimately think that, that he is so skilled that I could see him, you know, make a pretty good path through this bracket. Um, Edwin, what do you think about that? I, I've used him already. <laughs> Maybe it might, it might be a bit lazy. Yeah, so the, the only thing I'll say with Foxy Grandpa is I agree. I think he's quite good. He has been very good for a long time. The only thing I, I would say is that I think there's you have to unleash the good Foxy Grandpa. I think sometimes there's a tendency when, when Foxy travels to an out-of-region event 
that he doesn't do as well. I don't know if it's a nerves thing. I, I don't I don't know him personally, so I can't really project my mind or his mind onto mine. But I, it's just something that I've noticed. So I wonder if there's a way to hypnotize him before mm -hmm. bracket to make him think he's in the uh, the New York iOS venue or or whatever, and see and just convince him that he's playing like Mott Money or something if he's going against a box, or if he's just practicing with Aklo. I think that, that'd that be the real one. Because I think right? the potential's there. Convince him to think he's in his parents' basement playing with Aklo and Kill It Cubs and, <laughs> and all and, uh, Vidiot. <laughs> the, all that whole crew. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a I think that's a very good uh, breakout pick. I do want to mention one potentially um, simultaneously exciting, but also potential for a curse set in Mango versus Panko. Right yeah, we've seen 32. those issues with Puff sometimes. You know uh, that Adamus set, and uh, you know I think Michael has kind of given him weird sets before. He's definitely had some interesting sets with Puff players early in bracket. And Mango and Panko they did, did they, they play did. last year? Right, after, China, right after the Magi and Kadoran sets, Panko, Panko got kind of plastered. Yeah, on the wall. I was gonna say yeah. it was rough. Yeah, so it, that that's one thing I will say. I, I think there there's a chance that Panko just gets run over, and sort of like how like I saw a Grab play Mango yeah, at that time, where a Mango for yeah for Mango for whatever reason just decided to use all his like ten out of ten energy on poor Grab, and uh, and I, I think that there is always a chance that that just happens. But I will say, you, you know, if, if if Mango's on a on a downward trend right now, not not for the rest of his career, but just in a current lull of caring about competing in melee, and you're looking for someone to take home a big name, you know, Panko is you know top sixty four, top seventy ish player or whatever. Not it's not that unthinkable. It's do do I think Panko is a better player than Mango? No, but he's a very strong one, and Mango's currently at a bit of a you know transition period for, for his time in Melee. So, you know, crazier things have happened. Who, who knows? At Wills, who do you think uh, Panko would do best against out of, out of Mango's cast of characters? Hmm. I think 2023 Mango. 2023 Mango? Yeah. How does, uh, how does Panko do against the Mango Marth? That's the closest one. That's the closest one for sure. I think he can I beat think, Mark I think Marquez. Marth, I think Marth I think Marquez. Marquez happened, dude. Mango hasn't. No, he's already called it. Panko has Mark no Marquez. chance versus the Fox. I wish like I Rain or Shine. Um, the Falcon, I think, would be. That's an interesting. Probably one. an ugly three-one. And then. For who? For, Mango. for who? <laughs> and then. Falco? I don't know. I, I wanna say I wanna say Panko's got that, but that's still the goat. Like I, I think he's just got the mark. It's just the mark. Well we'll see what happens. Uh for better or worse, Mango is a player to watch here. I don't know if that's a good thing, but he is definitely a player to watch here. Um now before we talk about players who could win, which might involve Mango, <laughs> the way that he's been going. I want to talk about a player who uh, I think has a shot at possibly making a big run here uh, of like an established player. You know, usually when I pick people, I tend to pick people who I think are outside the top 100 or, or you know, maybe not a top seed. Um, but there's a player here who really sticks out to me in, in terms of a player who I think could make a big splash, even though they're already established, and that's Zamu. 
Zamu, uh, for anyone who hasn't been paying attention, this is his first major of the year. He did not go to Genesis. He did not go to Collision or Battle of BC or you know major upset or anything else that could even be slightly considered a major. Uh, he has been on the incredible regional grind, and he's been doing very well. Right? You know, he's got sets on Ginger. He's got that one set on Cody. He that. Like honestly, closer than a six-one would look. <laughs> uh, that that tournament that that um you know they played. Uh, no, he's he's had some incredible performances just at a smaller level, and I think that the people who are watching know. But in terms of a larger scale audience, he might go kind of you know forgotten because he hasn't been at these big events. So he's got a, a bracket here, which would be playing Lucky to play Amsa, which. Lucky is no easy feat, and then Amsa is definitely no easy feat. But I look at his uh, losers bracket, and I, I get a little interested because it would be um, it would be Panda or winner of Panda Smash Poppy, uh, which I think is very doable for Zamu. Zamu has shown that he is, you know, maybe not like Moki levels at the Fox Ditto, but he's getting pretty damn good at it. And then you have Salt, which is a matchup that he did pretty damn well in last year. Um, I think which actually led him to be ranked 32 thing that I think people thought it was a little high, but his just how he did versus the people in his tier ended up being like really, really good. And I think a lot of balladers just uh, gave him a lot of credit for doing well versus people ranked similarly. And then would be Moki for top eight, which we talked about Moki as kind of a, you know, very good Foxido player, but we will see. We don't, he just he lost, lost a few fights. Fights, did us. Yeah. Uh, Zamu, lost the Zamu had that set over Cody. I mean, it's one set in a tournament where he lost Possible. two more sets to Cody. But yeah, no, I, I think that's an interesting one to look out for. Zamu is definitely a player who always seems to be like very steadily rising uh, at a rate that like it's hard to actually remember because gets overshown by all of the like huge risers. But he is constantly getting better, and I think at a certain point, I would not be surprised if Zamu is a player who ends up ranked like top fifteen in a at the end of the year, right? He is he is just a player who constantly impresses, and, and it's really hard to gauge where he's at. What do you think, uh, Edwin? You know, Zamu, a player famously first mentioned on our podcast back in twenty seventeen or whatever. Yeah, Zamu is quite mm. near and dear to our hearts, and we. I was doing some work in preparation for Summer Rank. I will not go into detail on the specifics of it, but what you need to know is this about Zamu, okay? I took a look at all his events this year. I went by each one, I looked at the brackets, I saw his placements, I saw um, saw the opponents he plays, I saw his seeds for a lot of them. This was about, I don't have the exact number on me right now, but this was about 23 or 24 events, right? And I'm talking about ones that he didn't DQ from, he played through the bracket. It was a complete tournament. An insane statistic that I found was that he outplaced or finished right to a seed in every single bracket mm -hmm. that he entered. And these, these aren't Mickey Mouse brackets. He's entering tournaments with some of the Midwest's best players. He's entering tournaments like the Anne Friends Regional with SFOP there and everything. He's entering really big regional events, and he is performing so consistently. It is honestly one of the most striking stretches of regional activity I can remember from a top 25 player being so consistent. If you saw the placements he was getting with 
with relate with, you know relatively to his seed that he's getting at this tournament if you saw the list of names that he took and his win rates you would honestly think yeah we you would honestly think it was a top 15 yeah. player you would think that it was someone like salt or you think, think that you it was someone like i think take his name off those it is, people are saying names a lot higher than that uh, than where zombies ranked yeah and it goes to show that that this is a player last year that the, the the calling card to his year mm-hmm. is the consistency, but he never had that big win above his his perceived punching range. Well, well, guess what? This year's Zamu's a heavyweight, yeah. <laughs> and I think I think we're gonna see some, we're gonna see him either continue to be as consistent as ever, or we're gonna see him explode at an event like this. I think that's a Speaking great breakout pick. Speaking of you know ballots and the top one hundred and stuff like that, every single time we do a ranking, um, I think that as someone who follows melee, I would say pretty frequently in myself uh i have a pretty good idea of where i want to put people and then there's always players who surprise me when i actually look at the data um there's always players who jump up when i actually look at all the set data compared to what the vibes are and zamu just feels like that player because i think the vibes are that he's a good player he's top 30 he's top you know whatever whatever you want to call him uh but when actually you look at everything he's done i think he is super impressive and he's gonna be one of those people that for the people who do the ballots, I know this is a very specific group of people. Um, I think the perception of him is going to jump quickly once people actually get the data, because what he has been doing is really just seems to be under the radar compared to like, you know, another, if you look at other like top 25, top 30 level players. Um, so I, I want to see him do well here because everyone should get to see the Zamu that the regionals are seeing. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, we, we got to see that in a major eventually because we need, we need the I wisdom melee Zamu. True. True. We need true, the wisdom true. melee Zamu. We need the wisdom melee Zamu. I could use the out of the blue Zamu. Maybe the, uh, what else? <laughs> I don't know. Like it's maybe not useful to name all the regionals that he's went to because there's I so could, many of them. You don't want to talk about the daddy's den X Supreme Zamu. No. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about players who can do well. Let's skip to players who could win this event because this, uh, when it was first announced, tipped off was kind of a, you know, it was another regional event, and it, I think their first two players they announced were Jmook and Axe, and I remember being really confused as to why Jmook and Axe were going to tipped off. No offense, I was just like, what a weird group of players. No weird, and, pa- weird pairing. Weird sure. pairing, right? Uh, as everything has happened, as the end of the weeks and months have gone on, it has filled out to become a bona fide major um, on the, you know, basically like, I don't think there's any reason why we should talk about this differently than Battle of BC if you look at the people. Uh, it's got everybody but HBox, which is funny. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's let's talk about this because this has kind of turned from a, what was like a, a regional last year to something that could make or break the end of the year or, or you know definitely the summer rankings because what's happening here is we're, we're seeing a couple um storylines all come together we're seeing cody finally being someone who might take the number one spot we're seeing jay mook um after two straight major victories um you know is he able to bounce back and take another and then you got someone like zane zane and amsa and players who have won majors and have really shown their stuff last year uh kind of proving that they they still are in that that cut and can win majors and can uh, be number one in the world. So we've got a lot of players. And of course, you know, you've got your, your Mokis and your Mangos and your other storylines here. So we've got a lot of people who I think have chances to, to take home the goal. Wills, 
What do you yes. think is going to happen on uh, on that Sunday over in Georgia? What do you what do you expect to happen on Sunday? Hmm. In the ATL, I expect Omsa to make it to Grands, mm-hmm. and then based on Cody's set with J Mook in losers finals, Omsa will win or lose. Like I think if J Mook makes it to Grands, Omsa wins, and if Cody makes it to Grands. Omsa just loses two sets in quick in quick work. Hmm. Yeah, it's, we we do kind of see a little repeat in terms of seeding, just because that's how it goes when you have majors where all the same people enter. Uh, winner semis are projected to be Zane versus Cody, which we saw split last time they played at Battle BC, and then Jamuk Amsa, which uh, Jamuk obviously fell to Amsa, gave Amsa that path to grand finals. Um, so it is, a, it, yeah, I think it's something where. If you're going to say, I expect the same thing to happen, <laughs> hey, why not, right? That, that's a good call because uh, uh, betting on Amsa right now d- doesn't seem to be a bad choice. I think I think it's Amsa mostly because, well, I personally still have Zayn beating Cody in winners here. Mm-hmm. So I think I have Amsa beating Zayn in winners finals. And that's why I think Cody has to meet somewhere in losers to deal with this. Mm-hmm. I think Zane like I don't I don't I don't like the odds right now of Zane winning a tournament. I do like Zane being the obstacle to keep people like like Moki could win a major if he dodged Zane, but I think Which, every time Moki he has. That's what happened, yeah. yes. But I think Zane is currently still a roadblock in some ways for the Fox mains, even though Cody can beat him and has had streaks over him. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Edwin? Yeah, I, so I think Zane is is in an interesting position at this tournament because I think he can gatekeep quite a few people. And this is not to say that Moki cannot beat Zane. I don't think Moki defeating Zane would be the biggest upset in the history of Smash. That I think I think it would it would be a big up it would be a big upset, but it would not be it would not be earth shattering, right? But I think to to get back to Zane for a second, just to clarify my thoughts. I think he's in, in in an interesting position where he can affect other people's chances of winning the tournament by knocking them to losers or stopping stopping their bracket paths. And because he, but it, it's, but it's in a weird situation where a lot of those people like Cody and Moki will do quite well against Amsa. And I think another factor that kind of goes into Zane's place at this tournament is that there's no H box here. There's a lot of opponents who who you know, who could. There's a lot of opponents who I think would normally would normally fall to H-Box, who Zayn would then gobble up immediately afterwards. So I think the the lack of H-Box here, I think, is something that almost, it almost strangely hurts Zayn because you, because it rids him of a potentially favorable opponent later in the bracket. So, you know, when, when Zayn, if he gets by Esfop, if he gets by Moki, like we expect him to, him and Cody is always a coin flip, but if he plays Cody and, you know, he has a good chance of winning that, the problem is when, when he reaches winner's finals, Chances are he he's gonna have to play one of Amsa or Jamuk, his his two toughest opponents over the last uh, like what three quarters of a year or so I guess maybe maybe even one year that th- those aren't easy draws for him if if H box were in the picture you know we've seen H box start to turn his head head to head with Amsa a little bit around maybe maybe not quite positive yet but starting to go more, certainly more back and forth obviously we know that Hbox has dominated Jmook over the last year so without him in the picture you know Zane is left with these two demons who are admittedly on the other side of bracket but 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 by the time he makes it to winners finals he's more often than not he's gonna have to play one of them so I think yeah I think Zane is absolutely in a, in a pretty interesting spot in this tournament but I think it's gonna be hard for him in a weird way 
Yeah, uh, I mean, we've talked about this before, about, like, what HBox adds to a tournament, which, um, obviously, you know, Juan can decide to win a tournament whenever he wants. Um, that's just how it is. You have to go into a year expecting him to probably win one, even if he seems like he's the seventh best player in the world or whatever, right? Whatever random number ends up next to his name at the end of the year, he's probably still won a major. Um, and I, I think what he adds is... Uh, yeah, it's, it's this, like, ease for certain players, and he's the demon for other players. And it really does affect um, players who do well versus him, uh, like Cody or Zane. And it obviously negatively affects people like J-Mook. But yeah, the fact that Zane um, would not really have to get, like, a, a person who he's good against, and also not only not get H-Box, but also have, make sure that, like, H-Box doesn't beat J-Mook, like, the thing that would be good for Zane. Um, I do think it affects him here. I still think that there's no matchup that I say Zane can't win. You know, the, the AMSA one looked bad. Of course. And the JMook ones um, were all close in terms of games. But uh, obviously, you know, if you win a lot of close sets, I, I do think that there's, you know, you're, you're going to have that on your side. Um, but yeah, I, I really think it comes down to, to where Cody is. I think Wills is right. I think Cody is a player who, like we talked about, he's got the best head-to-head in terms of like what I expect to happen in the future. Uh, he is someone who I think probably is going to be favored versus J-Mook by the time the year ends, by the time everything coalesces. He is someone who is definitely favored over H-Box and AMSA. Um, I think that the Fox videos are always going to be something where people have a shot at him, but I expect him to, you know, like Genesis, clean it up when he needs to. Uh, and it really just comes down to the 50-50. We talked about it, you know, last week. You talked about it right now. Zane and Cody, it's a real coin flip. Uh, you know, they just played a, a fucking exhibition. I think it went pretty close in Zane's favor. And it really just comes down to whether or not Zane ends up taking it. Because a tournament like this, if Cody takes the 50-50 and gets into winner's finals versus AMSA or versus JMU, Cody has incredible odds to win that tournament. Uh, and if it's a 50-50 in the wrong direction and, you know, Cody loses to Zane, that's a lot harder, especially if he loses to him in uh, in losers as well. So it really just comes down to how this works out for Cody. And and like I mentioned before, if if you're if you're a Cody fan or if you're Cody himself and your worst matchup is a coin flip versus Zane, you are taking that to the bank. The fact that the best Marth main in the world is like a 50-50 with you, a Fox main, that sounds like you're in pretty good standings. So when I think of players to win this, I think that Cody is the obvious answer, but I, I gotta, yeah, I gotta stand with Wills. I think that, uh, I don't know if you actually took a stance on where Amsa's going, but I think I'll call this one for Amsa because I, you know, I just see Zane doing pretty well here, uh, in terms of like batting away Cody from Amsa, but I just don't think that he is at the level right now where I think he's taking a tournament in two sets over Amsa. It could happen in the future, but I think right now, after especially after the last set, I'll give that to Amsa. And in terms of Cody, he is you know he has been going to stuff all over. He's been doing the regional things, he's been doing the major thing, and he is going to be taking like a month long break that starts right after tipped off. So I think it's just going to be a lot of pressure, a lot of um, uh, just like wear and tear that will lead to him getting like a too close game five sets to get third here is is my uh my prediction and okay. i think when that happens if you're amsa and cody's out i think this is Amsa's bracket to lose so i'm gonna pick amsa now wills did you uh 
You said Ops is making grants. Did you? I said Ops is making win? grants, and I I had faith in Cody, but I honestly, I kind of need to walk it back because I was looking at the bracket structure, <laughs> and I was like, ah, okay, so if Cody loses to Zayn, he plays Mango, and that had a very like defined story in 2022. Mm. Like that was where Mango was getting so many of his like top five like peer wins because yeah. he was just farming Cody for a bit. And we don't have a lot of stock in Mango now, but it's always possible. So I think if this goes terribly, Cody ends up at like fifth. But I have faith that he's cooking and just wins the tournament here. Even so though Cody's I, your pick? Cody's my pick, unfortunately. Co- Co- always a good pick. He's uh he's becoming what H Box was years ago, where we would have these shows and we'd be like, Ah, you don't want to pick H Box, that's not fun. So you come up with a reason as to why it's going to be anyone but HBox, and then HBox just wins. Cody's quickly becoming the smart answer to these things just because of how good he is. Um, Edwin, what do you think? Who's your who's your pick to, to take it all home? Uh, I am trying so hard to think of an option that isn't it's tough. Cody Schwab. It, it just feels like Cody Schwab. Um, so, <laughs> but, well, it, it's funny you mention that because, honestly, I... I think it's very difficult to look at the bracket that we have in front of us, at least right now, to look how the seeds are are laid out and to come to a conclusion, anything other than the fact that AMSA by far has the best chance of winning this particular bracket. Now, it's not impossible for Cody to win. It's not impossible for Zane to win. It's not impossible for J-Mook to win. And you know what? It's not impossible for for Moki to win either. But I think just given the matchups, Way everything is set out. Let's let me walk you through Amsa's projected bracket right now. From top sixty-four onwards, he starts with JJM as you know, if things okay. go to seed. Okay. I, I I like JJM a lot, but there is no chance that he is winning that set. After JJM, we get into again, just projected, we get into Zamu. Zamu I talked about glowingly beforehand, but I, I think beating Amsa in your first try is is a pretty they, tall they, order. They played before. Not going to yeah. say it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, no, you're, it, you're right. I mean, they have. But I'm not going to say it's impossible. Amsa won those sets pretty pretty well. So, goes to your favorite. Yeah, and that, that's not to say that Zamu can't learn the matchup and learn how to play it at Amsa's level. But the, the point is, we've, we've said this about so many boxes, that it's when, when someone like Zuppy does it, it's, it's notable, right? But that, that obscures the amount of times that we've seen Amsa defeat someone like Sunsei, for instance, right? So am I willing to say that that's the... Am I willing to say that Zamu has a shot versus Amsa? Yeah, but I, I think Amsa, nonetheless, that if you're Amsa, that's who you want to you see someone that... You want to see someone in that group of players that you can defeat. So after he defeats Zamu, he plays the winner of Mango and Salt. First off, we don't even know if Mango will make it this far because he goes a different character or, or whatever. And second of all, if he does, we've seen that story play out several times in 2022. We have no reason to not view Amsa as an overwhelming favorite in that set. So that brings us into the winner side of Top 8, where he'll most likely play Jmook, who he's had on lockdown for the last year or so. Again, we've seen Jamie take sets before, but for the most part this is something that's fairly AMSA, AMSA lopsided. And then from that he plays the winner of Cody Schwab and Zane. Now keep in mind that AMSA, again, we're, we're talking about players he's had on lockdown, he's had Zane on lockdown for quite some time. Cody he's had the opposite problem with. Cody has beaten him pretty much more than anyone else in the world over the last year. But if we're talking about a relative low time for Cody, uh, you know, 
I'm not talking about in terms of results. Obviously, he just won Battle of BC. But we're also talking about someone who's coming at the tail end of a long period of activity who's looking forward for a break, right? So if he runs into Zane, the sky's the limit for Amsa. If he runs to Cody, I think it's much tougher. But he's running into a Cody that's on the tail end of being pretty exhausted and looking to take some time away from Melee. So all things considered... I really like Amsa's chances of winning this tournament. I think he's the clear, you know, matchup by matchup by matchup, just in terms of how the bracket will turn out, favorite to win. Okay, and Wheat has vanished. Yeah, I don't know where he went either. I guess I, I guess what I was saying was just so compelling. He just couldn't stand to hear it. I mean, it hurts. Oh, okay, Wheat sent us the blue screen in the Discord. Okay. Oh, that's that's all right. I'm I'm not too worried. I think that um, yeah, he'll, he'll be back here. But yeah, I, I think this will be a pretty fun event, Wills. I think that I think that we got a top eight that's going to be about as good as anything that you could ask for this year. I think you you got a lot of hidden players from a region that doesn't quite get the same kind of spotlight as other regions, and I I think it's going to be really interesting to see it all play out. And at a pretty classic major and classic series, I would say like tipped off. Um, Wills, one thing I, I would want, want to bring up that I guess we didn't talk about earlier in the show, Tiptoff was a major back in the day that used to draw several top five players. I think what, what happened with Tiptoff is just like based on the infrastructure of the scene, you know, what, one, of my, one of my oldest memories of being part of the uh, community was that Tiptoff happened in the same weekend as the first Smash Summit. And obviously that was back when the Drug Fox's massive losers run. At, I think it was Tiptoff 11 or something. The, the fire alarm combo yeah. against Wizard. So it's kind of fun to see this tournament that, that sort of represents this older era of, uh, of Smash kind of regain its major roots. But wait, happy to, happy to see you back at the, in, the, in the show Something again. about Wills. Uh, I don't know what it is. What? Technical difficulties, COVID denial. Feels like every yeah. time we have you on, there's something going on. You can't keep talking, you can't yeah, they're you up can't to keep no talking about COVID denial and not give it to the people. Yo, that that is under that's under so many locks and keys. We won't even send that recording yes. to me. It's a no, patron benefit. No one's getting that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know my uh, my laptop loves to blue screen, <laughs> which is not good. Uh, and I've we what made it episode seventy six without it actually happening live on stream. So here I am, and Edwin, whatever you said, I'm sure was great. You picked Alms as your winner, I guess. Yeah, I think he just based on that how the the bracket is turning out as of this moment. I think Amsa is the clear favorite. I think Amsa is a good pick. Cody, obviously a good pick. Zane could definitely win. I think a ton of people here. You know, whoever wins, I think that we are in for a treat. Because like I said earlier, if Cody wins, he's establishing himself as probably the number one player in the world. Right before the ranking period really gets you know into the final stretches, which would be very exciting. J-Mook wins. I think he's almost basically locked up for number one for the summer in my mind. And then you've got... If anyone else wins, Zayn and Amsa return to form, throw their hat in the ring for number one, Moki first major, and Mango does it again, right? You know, like, whatever yeah, we God, have here. Yeah, like, that could that could just happen. Yeah, we, we have to mention, Mango could win this. this is Mango, Mango could do it. There's like, there's, like, the world where Mango beats Amsa, loses to J-Mook, but then he has yeah. the crazy run where he, he meets Cody and losers because Cody lost to Zayn. Like, it could get so crazy. Just with Mango in the water. He could do the Genesis 4 where he's that crazy run and just gets demolished in grand finals by like Zayn or don't talk. We don't talk about that. I'm an Armada fan and I don't talk about that. <laughs> you keep that quiet. 
Anyway, I think what Tipped Off is going to uh, show this weekend is going to be something special. You know, it's uh, like we talked about. Not only are the top players going to be here, it's going to make a really great storyline, but also the players below them have so much to gain from this. The regional talent, um, the you know the bubbling under players who are ready to show themselves. I think it's going to be such a sick event. Definitely something to watch out for. Um, now, Wills, before we uh, before we end up transfer. Um, Transitioning to the end of the show, we've got some questions for you. Oh, no. So, you know that we asked the patrons questions. They've been up and down recently. Uh, I think we just get too distracted as patrons. The patron channel, for those who aren't in it, is too bumping that when we ask people what to ask people, um, they just don't come up with anything good because we're all goofing and goofing off, doing goofs and gaffs. Um, so, I we got some questions here. I'm going to read... Uh, the first one. So this first one is from Paladin. Paladin is a player that we talked about earlier. Okay. Uh, uh, he asks, "Why so hum- why-, why so nice, humble, dashing, charismatic, smart, thoughtful?" Uh, is that a question? There's a question mark at the end, and it starts with a Y, which is a question word. Is there a U in there? There's no U in there. So. Well, it, it does have the big question things. It's why, and then it has a question mark at the end. It's it's like it's just why adjectives, and it's like, well, if that's the question, adjectives are awesome. But if it's your last asking, why am I like that? I mean, I couldn't tell you how I have these traits. I, I'm thankful that I have them. But I well, I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell you how. There's no secret. Well, that's the humble part, I guess. Uh, and the thoughtful, the maybe thoughtful? the smart. Ooh, I don't I know. Think I'm, I, I'm not very smart. I don't know. You had a very nice answer to that. I think you showed that. Uh, you you might be nice, humble, charismatic, thoughtful, smart. The dashing part might be for the oh videos. But you oh might not gosh. have shown that with this one, but the, the video uh, watchers might see it. Uh, now, we've got we've got a question here. For, uh, I think Edwin's got a question, but I want to preface this. That... Mm-hmm. I know that you are a fan of us. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the show recently. We had Magi on, Combo Breaker Champion Magi, and we had um, a great conversation with her before she left us to hang out with people who are cooler and have more Twitter followers than us. Uh, and ever since then, we've we, you know that's left a big hole in the show, and we've decided to to move on and and have a new segment in honor of that, which is um, what would Mago what, what, what would Magi say? which is a segment that basically we're going to give you a question that was meant for Magi uh, or a question not directed towards Magi, but you have to, to think about what Magi would say. Now, this one actually is the best question we've ever had for what would Magi say because this literally comes from Seal asking a question for that very Magi episode, uh, which he decided to repurpose for this. So Edwin's got the question here. This is from Seal. I want you to answer as yourself and then... The second part is answer uh, as Magi. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Edwin, what, what is Seal asking? Yeah, so the, the question that SSB Seal is SSB asking underscore. is the South... SSB underscore Shield. Yes, correct. What are some things that you think stand out about the South in comparison to the rest of the world? Barbecue, Waffle House, Chick-fil-A. It's great. Sorry, I... Let me let me try that again. I didn't. You I didn't up. stick the. Lead. You fucked up. Yeah, I, I did. I did. So here's. I wanted to make the question a little more concise, and I I did not add the proper okay. context to it. So let me try again. 
The South is one of the less talked about North American melee regions. What are some things that you think stand out about it in comparison to the rest of the world? So melee. Oh, melee related. <laughs> wow. Barbe- mm. It might still be barbecue. Barbecue with the melee homies. That it might. Melee. It's not. It's not barbecue hey, hey. if it's about <laughs> melee, but still barbecue. Like, don't forget. Keep that in your minds. Um. Cookout. After tournament cookout? Is that no, thing? no, we're talking about melee. You stop you can't keep naming food. You're not I said after not, tournament. That counts as uh, melee. No it So what you do post tournament counts as melee. If you're with the tournament homies. That's so weird. What if I'm if with the tournament the homies and there's no tournament? That doesn't count. You're being weird. Um <laughs> You're being so weird. Um Hold on, let them answer. I that. think our regionals happen in such like a smaller amount than say like the Midwest or even like New England. Like really, we just wait on like, like I feel like there only been like two regionals at a time. Like the South never has like a lot at once. Like, there was the period before I think I was playing where like Memphis had what the Fox, and we lost what the Fox after a while, and then we had we had tipped off, and then we had like the Function regionals hosted by Recursion, which. Tennessee and a lot of people would come out to that, like Tennessee, Kentucky, like Reeve would come. We'd fly out slocks. But it'd always be a thing of like our tournaments are rare, so it's really good when people see them. Like people are interested because all of our players don't come together very often. And at DreamHack we obviously like work to avoid them playing each other. But it like things like tipped off, you just can't help but seeing like Georgia play Florida. Or like NC play Alabama, like we're gonna have crew battles. I feel like we are we are only like great to watch truly because we are rare. Like Midwest, they put on so often. Like I know all the Midwest players, but I can't name name any people that are just like I know Esteems or I know like Pog Epic Gamer. That's the goat. I just I just think we're rare. Now, how would Magi answer the question? I don't know anything about Alabama. Uh, Atlanta sucks, so I don't go there. I'm scared because I lost to Panko and Hi-Fi a couple times. But it wasn't my fault because I play Falco and I'm the prettiest. Good answer. You know what? That's pretty good. (laughs) One of the better Magi answers we've had. A lot of people are too afraid. They they tiptoe around. They're like, I I like the first person. (laughs) You're the only person to say first person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'll get high points when we end up having Magi back on at grading all of these answers. <laughs> I hope she sees that answer. Yeah, I honestly think, I honestly think what this isn't your answer is the kind of answer that would go into the what would Magi I say agree. Hall of Fame. First ballot Hall of Famer. Wow! Thank you, thank you. Uh, no, no, you did a very good job, and uh, yeah, we will eventually have Magi back on unless she finds out about this and doesn't like it. Who knows? <laughs> this might not be. Changed. So we got a different She might just never talk to us again. I've but never until had then, that's that's actually really weird that you run this segment. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're strange, and I think I think Will's was strange for going along with it. I've never really had a full on conversation with Magi. I hope I, I hope she has not beef about that. Yeah, who knows? Only one way to find out. We'll have her on, and if she isn't on, then we'll change to what would fiction say or something. Definitely would elicit more incendiary responses, probably. Uh, Wills, 
You've been on the show before. You know how it goes. We've got a final segment before we end up leaving. Unnamed okay. segment, but you know the fans know it by the name Touching Grass. This is a segment where we talk about something that's been going on in our lives that is uh, not Melee related, right? We talk about Melee all the time. We spend two hours a week basically talking about Melee on this podcast and other... Uh, I don't know how many hours in a week. <laughs> Whatever, the, however many hours in a week minus eight hours a day for sleeping. I feel like we generally talk about melee, so it's an opportunity to talk about something that's going on in our lives outside of melee. And uh, I'll go first. I'll give everyone some time to think. Now, I would uh, love to say that the things going on in my life recently has been uh, Boston Celtics losing to the Heat, but uh, yeah. I'm a bigger man. I won't bring that up. I won't bring up the fact that uh, they lost by like 20 points in their game seven. Or the fact that Jalen Brown really just, like, had eight turnovers or something like that, and, and he's about to be paid $200 million. He hit the Supermax, and so now they got to think about whether or not they give him that. the Supermax because he's probably not taking less. Uh, and if they do, or that's, like, mortgaging their future because they probably got to get rid of all the other, like, um, bit role players who've done so a well. Smart, it'll probably be one of the so I wouldn't bring that up because I'm a bigger man. I wouldn't bring up how funny it was to watch. You're, 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 you're a big man for sure. We big man. I wouldn't bring it down. I want to, I want to bring it up because I don't want to bring those people down. Um, what I will bring up is uh, I'll do, I'll bring up TV shows. Something I think about is when we had Jack Zill on, he said, is this segment just talking about media you watched recently? And it's in my head all the time. And yet I do think that there's nothing that I've done this week. That is more uh, noteworthy than TV shows. Now that's because there's a confluence of like four different TV shows that have had some milestones, um, and it's all happened in the past week. So I think something that people might know is uh, I think it was like yesterday. Uh, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson was just uh, just released a third season. This is a show that I have been looking forward to since it was announced. I loved the if if you are someone who likes, I think you should leave. Um, there's like a basically a hidden proto episode uh, in the Netflix. It's called Netflix the Characters, I think. Uh, basically, they give like 30 minutes of sketch to like all these different comedians, and that's basically the pilot episode for I think you should leave. That's like why Netflix gave him the entire show. Um, so it's got some funny sketches there that if you are jonesing for more, I think you should leave after you just like hoovered the third season in one go. I think you can check that out. So I watched that. That's obviously great. I want to talk about three series finales that just happened this past week, which uh, were of shows I cared about varying, to varying degrees. Uh, Barry finished up season four, finished up its series. That was a, an amazing HBO show with Bill Hader. Uh, I watched that show, and it's just like such an amazing visual language, such an amazing way that they tell jokes. Um, so unique to them where like you can see individual gags and just know that that could be in nothing else. It kind of reminds me of... Uh, you know, if people watched Atlanta, I think Donald Glover is also, like, a really solid, um, unique, like, sense of both visual and, and storytelling. Um, Barry is like that as well. Uh, that's That was a great show. Succession, obviously, super huge show. The closest that we've had to a show that everyone can agree is probably the best on television since... Maybe since Better Call Saul. <laughs> Maybe it hasn't been that long. But uh, a really amazing season where they just amped up everything. And like uh, coming off of a year that I thought was really great in season three, season four just upped the ante at every single po uh, point and was able to hit every single time they, they've had an episode out. Uh, and 
uh, series finale that is not saying it's a series finale, which is Ted Lasso. 100% they're done. If you watch that show and think there's another episode, you are a fool. They are trying to get you to subscribe to Apple TV for longer. They do not want to tell you that their golden goose is off the air. Uh, Ted Lasso is a show that I didn't watch for the first like two seasons of it. There's a lot of discourse about whether or not it was too nice. And then discourse about why it was dumb to say it was too nice. And then discourse about why you're allowed to say that something's too nice. There's a lot of discourse and I just ended up sticking away. But I ended up watching it. Season 1 was incredibly funny. It was very charming. Season 2 had some missteps. And Season 3 has been the cause of a lot of ire for me and Jackzilla and other people who have stuck around. Uh, So watching Season 3 was very fun. If only because the various missteps were uh, very fun to talk about with other people. So, I hate to do the Jackzilla thing where we just say media that we've been watching. But uh, I feel like this past week has been pretty big in terms of TV shows. So, I thought I'd give a shout out. Uh, Edwin, what about yourself? Yeah, so, I was actually watching Game 7 with a, with a bunch of my friends yesterday. The, the game itself was not very fun, I but I had a good time. I do want to say that it, it was kind of a very funny loss because it was it was almost like the worst kind of blowout loss where in that like the game begins like a blowout and it only gets worse and worse. And then it kind of convinces you in the middle that like things are starting to turn around and it'll become a competitive game again until you until it goes back into being a blowout, which I think is a very funny way of, of getting blown out. So... That, that part was not great, but that's not what I'm going to talk about entirety. Instead, I want to talk about boxing. I've just been watching so many boxing videos. Okay. Like, I saw a document, I saw a documentary on Evander Holyfield that was pretty cool. Uh, I watched another documentary on, like, the, the chronology of heavyweight titles in the 90s. It was just pretty fun. It was, it was made by this guy, this YouTube channel called Rummy's Corner. And I don't know, like, obviously, I've, I've been in a more uh, creative mindset than usual, just watching a lot of documentaries on on stuff that I normally don't watch or just kind of seeing how stories are told and everything. And I thought the the way that this guy, the, this channel, Rummy's Corner, uh, detailed the chronology of heavyweight boxing in the 90s was, was really fun. It, I think uh, the reason it was such a good video is because, like, obviously, like, just as someone who thinks very encyclopedic, I, I, encyclopedically, I love learning about, like, little facts and, like, knowing who's done what and what what time it happened or what day it happened and year and everything like that. But I think this guy has a way of leaning into the absurd of that era of boxing that kind of makes it a little more compelling because it's, it's not like it's not like the 70s with Ali, um, Joe Frazier, and George Foreman, all this stuff. There's a lot of, like, ridiculous stuff that happens and a lot of, like, little mini-stories within boxing that are pretty interesting. Like... Uh, one story that I think is really funny, even though it's bizarre, is the is the story of Andrew Galata versus Riddick Bowe. So, long story. This this will be the last thing I say, and then we, we can move on to Wills. But uh, there was a boxer a long time ago. This is my understanding of the story. His name was Andrew Galata. And basically, he was, like, a really talented boxer. But in the two biggest fights of his career, like, up, up at that point, he went off against, basically, like, the number one guy, Riddick Bowe. And both times, like, on the scorecard, he was ahead of the other guy, just, like, like really beating him up and, like, kind of having a solid lead. But both times, he got disqualified and ended up actually losing the match, both matches by disqualification, because he kept going for low blows against the other guy. Which uh, which is not allowed in boxing. Like you're not allowed to punch like below the belt and everything. But this guy just like di- 
he just like hated Riddick Bowe. He he really like when he had the lead and was in like the eighth or like ninth round or whatever, he just like he really wanted to stick it to him and just keep hitting him where it hurt. So he just kept doing that and lost both championships because of it. And it's just like it's one of the most bizarre sequence of events. Just like watching this guy lose two title fights, like like it's announced that the other guy won, but the guy who won from like the disqualification is like on the ground, writhing in pain and everything. It's just like it's like a very bizarre era of boxing. So th- there's a lot of like little stuff like that. Like one of the one of the championships, uh, something something that happens is that like a random dude just parachutes into the venue in the middle of like in the middle of one of the rounds. So they have to pause like the they have to pause the match to get the guy out of the ring. Just like a lot of really weird shit like that. Like the the guy who's uh, telling the story in the channel also talks about how stupid some of the names they have are for the name of the boxing bouts that they're trying to promote and everything. It's just it's just it's just a fun video. I, I really liked it. So that's what I'm talking about. A week after you talk about how you're gonna get a um. A boxing bag, right? Your boxing yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, maybe I am. We'll see. I, I think boxing is very interesting because a lot of big boxing moments uh, are canonized in sports history, and because it is more infrequent, I guess, and because there are fewer big moments, I honestly think that like these moments in sports history is age better than moments in like the NFL or the NBA or bigger stuff, right? You know, if you talk about Ali, Ali was what in the sixties and seventies, um, generally sixties and seventies sports. We don't talk about it that often. When you think about sports, it's like generally 20, 30, 40 years, you know, because by the time you get to the sixties, it looks old as shit. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I, I think that boxing is an interesting thing where a lot of those big names, your Ollie's, your Holyfields, your Tysons, a lot of the big things like the guy coming in on the um, on the parachute and like the ear thing with Holyfield. Like, there's so many huge moments that I, I really think it. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. The sweet science. Um, what about you, Wills? What are you up to? What have you been up to? Hmm. Okay, I watched the six-hour John Boy's Mariners that, that documentary. Nice. I watched that. I, I Do like you want to catch a game? I'm a ballpark guy now. You're a ballpark guy now? I want to go to ballparks. I've been to three, and then I decided I'm a ballpark guy, and I'm going to try to go to them all. You say, you say like you like put on a hat, and it like felt around your head right for the first time. I just, I just think I should go and eat a hot dog at every ballpark in America. And, no, no beer? And the one in Canada. Look, I, I'm, down, I'm down to catch a game, depending on how DreamHack Atlanta pans out. I mean, wait, is that even baseball season? Uh, I, I don't, don't believe it would be. Yeah, wait, yeah, actually, never mind. Um, I've recently watched up to season two, episode five of Secession. I was talking to Edwin about that, just watching, like, all of these all of these rich white people just be, like, as differently evil as they can be. That, that, that show is so dark. Like, the colors are so dark. Like, I'll be looking at it on my phone because I watch it at work. And I feel like sometimes I'm just looking at kind of a black screen because they're always in such dark rooms where the wood is dark. I read Ender's Game. I read Dance of Dragons. Like I finished up the Game of Thrones oh. series. Then I then I hit Ender's Game. I'm on the second Ender's Game book, Speaker for the Dead. I'm about to finish that. And then I have a Stephen King book. I have Fairy Tale planned. And 
this weekend, I went to MomoCon with Panko and his roommate and a couple others. We dressed up as Soul Eater characters. Nice. That was cool. Did that for a day. Hmm. I feel like you that's like... Going on. I got wings today. I got wings. From where? Uh, Marietta Wing Cafe and Tap House. Mm. What flavor? I got raspberry really? chipotle, Flavors. and I was I was thinking about Olympic Torch, this like honey cheese and like spice one, but I yeah. decided to try the spicy Thai, and it was kind of an L, and I mm. I, I fucking regret it. But What's the it on lemon pepper? Good. That's a big uh, hot Atlanta thing, right? Lemon, lemon pepper, pepper wet. <sighs> oh well, I'm just I'm asking multiple questions. First, oh, I want to okay. hear your thoughts on lemon pepper, and then lemon pepper wet is the second question. Okay, lemon pepper, I don't really like. I do like lemon pepper wet. Too dry. Not wet enough. I just, I mean, I'm just not a rubber, you know? I just don't, mm. I'm just a, clearly a sauce, a sauce sovereign of sorts. True. Sauce Svengali. Uh <laughs> Now, the thing with lemon pepper wet, I've never had. I would imagine, does the lemon pepper come through? Because the spice of a buffalo sauce is, you know, pretty, uh, it's pretty bold, can tend to kind of outweigh anything else, like the more delicate lemon flavor. Does uh, does it all come through? Does it work? It does. It's just a little crispier. Mm. I still think it comes through. It's not... Hmm. I think it's a little more pungent, even. Like, the smell, just like... You know, smells half of taste. I, I do think it's better. I do th- I do think like regular like lemon pepper like as far as the rub is not as flavorful. You just want to soak it in that like like the marinade rather than rub it, and that really gives you a stronger flavor always. We're gonna have radar on. We're gonna have a uh, him do a wing taste test. Lemon pepper is gonna be one of them. Is it blind? No, he just likes lemons. Oh, right, that's cool. So we're. we're g- we're going to Uber Eats $200 worth of lemon-flavored stuff to his house. This and, bit's gone too far. And he'll... <laughs> I, I haven't been pushing it. He's been pushing it. He's like... He's lived up to the lemon guy now. Because, like, we... I stopped bringing up this lemon thing. Well, we had a question last week for the patrons, but I had to ask. It was a patron. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, he's, like, sent pictures. He's like, I'm going to, like, this, lemur, this restaurant called Lemon. <laughs> it's like, all right, dude. Feel like you're making this your thing, uh, dude. It's okay. You're I'm a ballpark, ballpark guy. He's a lemon, lemon guy. guy. I, I I also, what... I, I'm a boxing, boxing guy. guy. Apparently. You can be a ballpark guy. I'm trying to get Ambien into baseball only because. Wait, why? I don't know. I'm. Tr- he like. He seems like he wants to get into baseball, but he's afraid to. So I'm trying to like give him a team, and every time I do, he's like, uh, I don't know, dude. So I'm not sure what's going on with him. I'm trying to get him to be a baseball guy, and then maybe he will. Maybe I'll go to the games with him. Some games with him. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. We've got a we got a lot of melee to go, and we've got a lot of baseball to go. So we'll see what I can line up and make work. <laughs> maybe I'll hit up some uh, ballparks while I'm out for majors. But but we will see. Um, speaking of majors, this is one to watch out for. Tipped off coming up this weekend. Now, Wills, if people want to watch out for you and catch you, you are doing some commentary there. But uh, where can they follow you outside of the of the tournament? Where can they follow you online? Um, I guess you can follow my Twitter at WhatYouMeanWills. I don't really tweet very often. You don't have to follow it. Uh- <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't have anything else that I should be followed on. Um, just catch me on commentary, I guess. I have a block at 2.30 on Sunday. I don't know. When, I think I have a block around noon on Mango's stream on Saturday. Nice. There is a uh, Jorge Wills block, which I think is a can't miss for me. Yeah, I think that's the 2.30 one, actually. Because, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's my first Sunday block with Jorge. I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. Uh, and speaking of catching us on socials, if you want to follow us, uh, we go live with these episodes at twitch.tv slash Melee Stats. You can catch our episodes live. Uh, YouTube is uh, Melee Stats. That's where we're going to have our long-form content, and these episodes are going to go up on the Melee Stats archive over on YouTube. Twitter.com slash Melee Stats Pod is where we're going to post uh, weekly results and or daily results and you know, weekly articles and, and more stuff like that, so you can catch us there. We've also been announcing players, and guess what? We've got some more to announce in the near future. And... Um, what else do we got? Uh, MeleeStats.co. It's where we post our weekly articles, such as Monday Morning Marth and Wednesday Melee. And if you love everything that we do and you just want to support us in the best way possible, Patreon.com slash MeleeStats. I know we have some recent additions to that because of some bets that Edwin made. Uh, so you can probably get in through a bet or you can just give us money without having the artifice of a bet. But, uh, you know. I'm sure there's, with Tipped Off coming up, I'm sure there's going to be some opportunities to get into that. Anyway, Wills, thank you so much. I know that this was a bit of a weird episode just because of some technical difficulties, but it's always a blast to have you on one day. I will make my way down to Hotlanta. I will have lemon pepper wet. I will go to an Atlanta Braves game. We will oh do everything. Gosh, we, we, we need lemon pepper wet, like expeditiously. You'll have to wait for next Tipped Off if you want a game, I guess, though. Unless you're just going to come come jaunting over just I don't because. know if I can uh, put that in the melee stats card. I have to come up with an excuse. <laughs> so okay, we'll, okay. we'll figure something out. Uh, I, we'll I'm sure that tipped off is going to be an amazing experience. I hope you have a good time and uh, definitely something to watch out for. And we will be uh, we'll be back next week again. We be we uh, back. Oh, this back, is crazy. Back, back. The month the month consecutive. The month consecutive. Summer it's smash, the summer baby. smash. It's starting early. We will be back to talk about what happens at Tipped Off because, as we said, this is going to be an event to watch. This is going to be an event that you want to make time for. So we, of course, are going to be back next week to talk about it. So uh, we will catch you then. Thanks for watching, everyone. Peace. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody.